I don't get an introduction. Good evening. My name is Marissa, and I am a grateful alcoholic. Marissa. And I know the eyeballs are already rolling. Oh, God, she's one of those. She's grateful to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I am. And but let's uh, let's rewind and what it was like. And before that, uh, welcome here. And as my beautiful Brandy, her mother, I, I guess I can say her name, maybe, yeah, okay. Uh, her mom, Prue, and if you ever go to meetings up at Thursday, she was a huge, um, beautiful, great example of AA, and uh, I was loved up by her. And so Brandy and I have been trying to get together ever, ever since her celebration of life. And she couldn't do lunch, but she could be my 10-minute speaker. So that was really great. And uh, as far as the outfit is concerned, I heard there were a lot of cute guys here. So I <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I actually just came from Agape, which is uh, my spiritual family that I found after I got sober. Uh, and it is uh, Michael Bernard Beckwith's birthday today. So I got to do some stage stuff. So that's why I'm dressed. Uh, and uh, let's see. So when I came in, my sobriety date is January 25th, 2009. That makes me 14 and a half. And I use oil of Olay. And, uh, but I, I'm a late one. It was my first date. I came in late in life. Not that late. I'm ageless. But uh, I was not a teenager. And what happened was I... I think I, I didn't realize I was an alcoholic till late because I was not a drinker. Um, I, did, I was brought up super duper strict. I didn't have a radio until I was 18. I didn't go to a movie until I was 21. I was raised fundamental Baptist, which I understand is a precursor to agnosticism and atheism. <laughs> and uh, I went to church basically six to eight times a week. And necking was literally necking you know, neck and up. So I was very sheltered uh, in, in the religious side of things at home. Uh, I know you thought I was Swedish, but I'm actually Chinese. And uh, I was raised in a very typical, you know, A plus is everything. You're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. You're going to study your assets off. And there's, you know, you cannot get a B. So that was my life. And on top of that, I had, uh, it's common for uh, in Asian or Chinese, especially families where negative motivation is used. So uh, my mom would call me fat, ugly, and clumsy every single day and would beat me to the point where I was in the hospital. And so I learned very early on that I was undesirable, unworthy, unattractive, and uh, I continued to live out that theme song uh, for the next few decades. And like many of us, seven out of 10 of us who've had childhood trauma, we tend to choose people, mates, 
who uh, continue that message, continue singing that song to us. And so when I came into AA, I was in the middle of a divorce from uh, a man, very good looking, but I picked him, uh, he did not like to work. And so uh, as a result, uh, when the, the, the sentence was over 9.2 years, that was close enough to 10 years where I had to pay a couple million uh, in, in uh, spousal support, child support, uh, lost the house, 1.8 mil, lost the business, 1.5, and all of that. And for all the single men in here, no, I'm not getting married again. <laughs> so, because <clears throat> that, was, that was what would happen when I uh, came in and I would introduce myself as the angry, you know, my, my husband, formerly known as Dickwad, was my, was basically my Eskimo. So, so I came in super angry. I came in super uh, blaming. I came in super uh, resentful, which we know just will lead you to the drink. I started drinking in college. I probably should have known I was an alcoholic because I would, um, all those things I didn't do, in the home I, I did in college. And uh, I would drive by a, a, a men's dorm and go, hmm, that looks familiar, but I have no clue how I know that place. So it was one of those, I guess I was a blackout drinker because I don't remember. And uh, I, I, I remember times when I, you know, just was so hungover, as Brandy was saying, that I literally, you know, I couldn't even drink water. I had to suck on ice cubes, but that was the level of drinking that I would do. And I just love drinking because one, I, I'm very competitive. And so as an Asian woman, I, you know, I would bet people money that I could drink more than them and not turn red and not puke before them. And I was right. And I won money that way. And uh, I also loved, loved that feeling of a single malt scotch going down, just that. <sighs> because for that moment, I did not hate myself. Because that's all I knew. I was told I was unlovable. I felt unlovable. How could a mom do this to me? I must have done something to deserve this. I would overachieve to be on that pedestal, to go, look at me, the youngest, la, 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 la. Everybody would say, oh my God, you're so incredible. And I'd say, thank you very much. And, ah, and then I'd turn around and inside, I was like, they don't really know you. They don't have any idea how horrible you are. They have no idea what goes through your brain. They have no idea how worthless you are and unworthy you are. And that's how I lived every single day. Now, bless you. Some people do anything for a blessing. Um, <laughs> what I did was then have this inside outside. So inside, I felt like a piece of, we're in a church, but uh, shiitake, I felt like a piece of shiitake. And then, you know, I'm, I'm able to look good, achieve, do all these things. So I'd be better than you. So I'd be hot shiitake. 
right? <laughs> so every day it was this exhausting swing of oh, piece of shiitake, hot shiitake. It's too long. Piece of shit, hot shit, piece of shit, hot shit. That's my life. I was exhausted. And the only thing that could balance me out was that drink. Couldn't wait to have that drink. Couldn't wait to just feel okay. And then I was also very entertaining when I had alcohol. I was the body shot queen. Uh, I raced sailboats. I've been doing it for decades and they still miss my body shots and uh, all of the shenanigans that uh, came up with uh, sailing. But I, I, at that point in the divorce, when um, it, I have two beautiful girls, that's the best thing that came out of the marriage because I, I picked a white boy and, and uh, the kids are hoppa, so they're gorgeous. But uh, I have, I, I, I loved my children. And I hated my husband and it was all his fault. And at that point was when everything uh, went over the cliff. So I began to not sleep. So I went to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, stressful divorce. Here's an Ambien, here's a Klonopin, here's a whatever it was to sleep. And then when that didn't work, I started drinking the final day of my uh, drinking history was January 24th, 2009. And uh, I got to, oops, I have to drink for this. I, um, I was hallucinating. I lived in Seal Beach at the time. And uh, I heard a, a megaphone on a car come down the alley on Seal Way saying, F Dr. Marissa, F Dr. Marissa, as clear as day, I saw a little red light in my room. I had on a gray, formerly pink bathrobe on. I had not left my place uh, in two weeks because I was trying to get off of the drugs, right? I knew they were not good, but I couldn't get off. And so I was drinking drug, drinking drug, the sleep drug. And um, that last day, I called, I thought I only called the Seal Beach police twice, but my caller ID said eight times. And uh, thank God I had friends on the force that I was drinking with. And they came and I said, my landlord who lived upstairs, like right on the beach upstairs, who owned the building, were spying on me. And, and the, the police who didn't know me said, do you want to go and knock on their door and confront them, these uh, Oscar and Emmy award-winning producers of The Sopranos and Northern Exposure? And thank God my other police friend said, ah, she'll be okay, you know, we'll just, you know, just uh, uh, let her just chill out a bit. And that night was uh, the best decision I've ever made. Uh, I called, I was actually in another 12-step program called Codependence Anonymous, and uh, obviously that didn't work. So I, <laughs> it was for relationship, people who, who are, are, um, are relationship challenged is, is what I call Codependence Anonymous. So I, I called her and she'd become uh, a member of AA seven years earlier. So I called her and said those words. I, I, I think I'm an alcoholic. And she said, you know, it was like 11 something. She said, just 
don't drink tomorrow, I'll meet you at a meeting. And that was uh, January 25th. So that's what happened. Um, what, it, uh, no, that was what it was like. And now what happened, uh, how are we doing on time? I, I meant to bring, okay. Uh, I finished at eight, what time? 825. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. So that's about I did. I'm doing good on a third. Right. All right. So so um, so I came in and it was I, I was I was told that I had three uh, issues. I had three problems, main problems. Uh, one was I had a physical allergy to alcohol, a physical allergy. Now, I'll tell you, I was super judgmental uh, as a psychologist. So many kids of trauma end up being therapists or psychologists. And I was one of them trying to fix myself. And when I heard that alcoholism was being called a disease and, you know, I'm the DSM-3 and all that going through clinical work, I'm like, oh, that's a real wimpy excuse for people, you know, who don't want to stop drinking. And I now have a very healthy respect for the understanding that the allergy doesn't kick in until you have the drink, which is why it's so important not to have that first drink. Because you may have some semblance of, you know, you the strong program, you know to think it through, you know that you work in the steps, you know to keep yourself clean all day with step 10, you know who to call, you know how to pick up the phone, you know how to hang with your tribe so as not to take that first drink. But once you take that first drink, your body literally takes over and you cannot stop. And that explained to me, there was a movie that I saw when I didn't know I was an alcoholic, that um, uh, Brad Pitt was in. And he, you know, it was like, I couldn't understand how someone who knew they were gonna lose their job, knew they were gonna lose their kids, knew they were gonna lose everything would still have a drink. Like that didn't make sense to me until I understood that we have an allergy of the body that will not listen to reason. There's no reasoning with that physical allergy. So that, that was very um, uh, uh, groundbreaking for my mind as an alcoholic. So I knew I had to go home and empty all the scotch and whiskey and all of that that was there. I had someone from uh, Marina Pacifica go with me and uh, pour everything out. I began the journey of calling to alcoholics every single day. And uh, that was, that saved me uh, because one of them I sent here when I, I was, uh, I was supposed to be your Mother's Day speaker, uh, but my daughters uh, surprised me with a trip up to San Francisco to see them. So that's why I sent my brother Hero here. So I don't know if you all remember Hero. He can look Swedish like I do. And uh, he was one of my uh, go-tos. I spoke to him every single day. And I spoke to a sponsor or, or a, a sobriety sister. So that was huge. The other thing I did was I took all direction. Um, one of them was do not make any major decisions in your first year. That was very important. Mm. 
because I was going through the divorce and murder was on my mind a couple of times. Uh, uh, you know, people offering to be hitmen and all of that. Um, also, uh, the first year is rough. You know, it is trying to live without uh, something that helped you. You know, uh, for a lot of people, you know, they hate alcohol or, or alcohol is the enemy. For me, it, it was a it was a coping and helper. I mean, it really helped me not think about how much I hated myself. It really helped me deal with all I thought the problems that were happening through this divorce because the formerly known as Dickwood was, you know, glue on the car, you know, um, uh, um, put up a sign all over Seal Beach, Asian woman, uh, a disillusion with marriage seeking um, Asian or Caucasian woman. So all the moms in Seal Beach have a good thing going. There's a, you know, Dr. Marissa has a website with naked women on it. And that was a, you know, I found out later, I was so angry. My younger daughter told me that her kindergarten teacher shamed her in front of the entire group because I was the first family in good Seal Beach to actually go for a divorce. And so I had moms come up and say, you shouldn't be getting this divorce. So it was a tough time. And so to be freshly sober during this time and then finding out how much money I was gonna have to give the dickwad, it was very, very difficult. And um, when the judge, when I found out it was uh, two point some million, um, my lawyer said to the judge, but your honor, that's not fair. And the judge looked straight at me and said, well, you wanted equal rights. So that was <laughs> my first year sober. And I am so grateful to the women of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous who literally would talk me off of, you know, heading into a divider while driving because I was just, it was a horrible time. Now, what the beautiful thing about this program is, it's not just about alcohol. It's not just about not drinking. It really is. And I'm so glad, I had no idea you were gonna talk about the block, right? The, the, the way that alcohol stops us from living. That is, uh, I was told emotional sobriety and for old timers, some old timers hate that term. Too bad, it is the reason why I'm in this program. Because I'm not in this program because I wanna stop drinking and have the same kind of life that I had before where I still hate myself. And the first powwow I went to, there was a guy who was 28 years sober. He was the dinner speaker and he said, 19 years into AA, I woke up and said, when am I gonna stop hating myself? And I'm like, Fork that. I don't want to be in a program where I'm still going to hate myself. And so I began to watch for people who really did not say, life on life's terms. And I still want to drink. I did not want that. I wanted a new way of living where I could be, do, and have anything I wanted because I knew that the universe was friendly. And that began the emotional sobriety part where, so physical allergy, obsession of the mind is what I'm told. The second thing is when I get fixated on anything, 
it's trouble. If I get fixated on alcohol, it's trouble. If I get fixated on some cute guy, it's trouble. If I get fixated on how, what a dickwad he was, I'm in trouble. If I get fixated on how horrible my mother was, I get in trouble. So that mind disease I have is just as bad as the physical allergy. And then the third thing that I was told and I learned was my problem was I had a hole in my soul and I had a spiritual malady because I had completely turned away from the God that I grew up with. I had a very punishing God. I had a very a God that needed to be on anger management classes. I had a God who hated me, right? Because my mom would throw in the, you know, the commandment on um, moms and dads as she was beating me. So that was such a difficult turning point. And the first thing I did was listen to someone who said, you like designer stuff. You can have a designer God. So my designer God was what I could design. I was told that I could choose a God of my understanding that would actually, um, uh, it just had to be outside of myself. So the first one was a Beacon's moving truck because it was outside and it was big. Then it moved to a clouds, some days no clouds, then it was a sky. So we just progressed and progressed. And then uh, I went church shopping after step one in step two, I went to Seal Beach Spiritual Center for Living. I went to an Anglican church. I went to a Baptist church. I went to a Catholic church. And then I went to Agape. And uh, it was at Agape, which is a trans, uh, trans-denominational spiritual center where I came from today, uh, that uh, uh, I, heard, I heard a God. I had one of those experiences where I was not a meditator at the time. They do half an hour of meditation before the service. And I just literally felt a presence move behind me, tap me on the shoulder and say, darling, you can church shop from now until eternity and have fun with it. But know that I've always been here waiting for you to turn around and dance with me. And I started to cry tears from the bottom of myself that I never, ever thought I would ever heal from. You know, um, I think everybody has that big black hole in front of us where we think we're like Humpty Dumpty, don't want to deal with the past, it's gone or whatever. And we think that if we fall in, we're never going to get out. And that's bull shiitake. It's a BS belief system that will keep you drinking it'll keep you thinking about how horrible life is it'll keep you from having the sunlight of the spirit which is a promise i love the promises of aa and i wanted that new happiness and the new sense of belonging so one of the things that happened is uh my sponsor who is 90 years old her name is dolores martin and her husband my backup sponsor graham martin is 93 and they've been married 73 years. And I talk to them every single day. I've done that for 14 years. And uh, I just had a minor stroke uh, this last week. And uh, I know he's not gonna be here forever. And I'm already, you know, full enforcement of friends and family that I know I'm gonna be leaning on when that time comes 
but I don't date right now because I spend three days a week with them. And that's my priority because I want to be with them as long as I can. If you go on my YouTube channel, we just did, he wanted to write a song about Siri. So there's a cute song <laughs> there about Siri from my 93 year old dad. So he's my bonus dad and mom. The thing, if you have a family like I did that you probably don't think is healthy, it's okay. This AA program gives you the keys to a sense of belonging from people that you are honest with, that you are vulnerable with, that you can be who you really are. Now, the flip side is you have to like love them for who they are too. But <laughs> it's that, you know, it's a double-edged thing. But uh, the new sense of belonging is a promise that I love about this program. Um, so, uh, let's see, uh, this too shall pass. So valuable serenity prayer. Uh, I actually put it to music. Uh, it, it's, a, it's such a, such a great tool to use in your first five years of sobriety. Uh, if you're still feeling the compulsion to drink, I was told get on your knees and I got on my knees and said, please remove the obsession to drink. And I just said that every single day and somewhere around six to nine months, or it was maybe six to nine weeks. I don't remember anymore. I need a new hard drive, but it was somewhere in there where I lost the obsession and have not had it since. So that I, but I don't say that to sit on my laurels. I know this is a progressive disease. I know that it will just take one drink to go right back in there. And I will not uh, 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 risk that. And that keeps me sober now. Uh, let's see. Commitments. Uh, what else do I do now? Uh, 10, 11, and 12 every day. It's just my way of life. I love meditating. If you are not a meditator, if your head is too busy and all of that, there's all kinds of moving meditations. I teach a, a Tai Chi class once a month on the water. Every last Saturday, you're welcome to join that. There's so many ways in which to connect with this thing called the higher power. My higher power now, I call him my UPS man, my universal power source. And when I plug into him every morning, he delivers, okay? And uh, <laughs> I also memorized the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer, the 11th step prayer. If you're not a memorizer, too bad. Just do it, gospel according to Nike, because it will keep your head from going anywhere else. Now, I also memorized page 63 to 66, and this is the how and the why of it. We had to quit playing God. It didn't work because there's a line in there. When we sincerely take such a position, all sorts of remarkable things begin to happen. And my life is a testament of this program, I call myself a AAA threat. AA started it all, uh, January 25th, 2009, February 22nd, Agape, the second A, and then the Law of Attraction through Abraham Hicks. That's my third. I share that with uh, Chris, uh, one of my sisters. My, my discipline of those three things with AA being the base and the foundation, I have a life 
that I cannot even, wouldn't have even fathomed because I, I know that my God, my UPS man, my, my life is so incredibly limitless because I don't drink and I don't think. I don't <laughs> plan. I say, what now, brown cow? And then boom, I have a, um, I'm on the air, uh, uh, NBC News Radio for 586 consecutive weeks. Uh, tomorrow will be my 983rd podcast show. Okay, number one, you know, number one best-selling book on happiness, number one, all these things, which could not have happened if I were not sober, because I had to be a clear expression of power, creativity, innovation, bliss, wonder, love, peace, joy, which is all of our birthright. Every single one of you in here is one of a kind wonderful. There's not a throwback in the bunch and nobody is a piece of shiitake and nobody, no matter what your head says to you, deserves a crappy life. Life does not suck. But if you stay in that BS belief system that life on life's terms or that I'm being punished or that this is a grind, then you're not going to get that, that, that place that I want everybody to get because life is so precious. Life is not money. People say, you know, time is money. Mm -mm. Money you can make, lose, make, lose time never get back. Even if you're Shirley McLean, you have to, you have to really value because that's how you know, that expression by the grace of God. I, I take issue with that sometimes because people sometimes say it like, um, you know, God was favorable to me. And maybe that's my, my icky religious uh, uh, dogmatic background. God wants everyone <laughs> to be sober who has alcoholism, right? That's not a, you know, you, you deserve it. You, you don't deserve it. You deserve it. Every single one of us have a birthright to an amazing life. That's the promise. We're all, my analogy is that, you know, it's like a Disneyland or Legoland. We're all in a line right? We're eternal, spiritual, energetic beings. And we're all waiting to come down here to discover something. And I say this because some of, some of the people who have been on my journey say, you know, you shouldn't have had a mother like that. You shouldn't have had a husband like that. You should exercise them from your life. You don't ever need to talk to them. And the reality is resentments will take me down. So I have adopted what Einstein says is the most important question that a human being has to answer. Is the universe friendly or not? If I say the universe sucks, God, God sucks, life sucks, then every single moment I'm going to be looking at you saying, are you going to steal from me? Are you going to hurt me? Are you going to break my heart? Instead, everything happens for my divine and best good. The book that went bestseller came out of losing a $200,000 project. Not my choice, but when I lost it, I was pissed for 16 seconds. 
And then I asked this very important question. I can't wait to see what good comes out of this because I know that every single thing that happens to me is for my divine and best good. Even the divorce, even the abuse. Ooh, I just got chills. I know that I am able to be of service to seven out of 10 of us who've had childhood trauma because I know what that felt like. Wow, doesn't that give me power? Isn't that the kind of power I want to use for good? Yes, that's why I'm here on the planet right now. I came on this ride to feel power. And what better way to feel power than to be born into a family where I was powerless? Pick a man, that was where I felt powerless. By the way, he's now homeless. He spent all of the money and it's breaking my daughter's heart. So, so just so you know, he's not living in hog, whatever, but that's his journey. The best thing in AA that I've learned is nom, 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 nom. It's none of my business. I am the boss of me and it's really important for me to keep my eyes on myself. I don't give people any advice unless they specifically ask for it and pay for it. Um, for, let's see, I've covered newcomers, I think. Um, I've covered uh, uh, the thing about coming back, uh, you know where to come. And if you're feeling shame, around you know being a retread don't it's not helpful um i've learned to ask myself every moment does that thought that i'm having make me feel better or worse if it feels better go if it feels worth worse switch because the fundamental bs belief system that i got in this program is that i am here for a purpose, we say there's nothing that can happen to us that isn't gonna come back and help us in some way. We need not regret for anything, even the people who I know uh, people in this program who have killed people, right? Or who have done harm to people. And, and if there is that step four thorough, right? And then five, six, seven, eight, nine, then you it, it is so, that cleaning house is part of our program, right? If you hate something about yourself, you have a chance in this program to clean it out. Um, if you're on six and seven, Drop the Rock is an AA approved book that I highly recommend. Uh, it's, it's all emotional sobriety. Uh, a new pair of glasses, Dr. Paul, great. We have so many fabulous people in this program who have left legacies for us to live with. Every single person in here has a legacy to leave. And that is um, just such a blessing. That isn't, isn't it great that you are in this program that costs you $5 a meeting? Yes, inflation. Uh, I was just told $5 in your home group and $2 everywhere else, but you have to listen to me listen. So I put in five. So um, it is so 
like this is this is the best free gift that you've been given and uh, uh, I'm I can't believe I have 10 more minutes I, I do motivational speaking and I always run out of time <laughs> this is probably the first time that what I have 10 minutes so um, so where did I didn't cover uh, forgiveness let's talk about that for a second since I am a symbol of the seven out of 10 of us, and uh, I have a lot of women come up to me afterwards and, and identify as they also had uh, some kind of trauma or abuse from their mom or dad, uh, I, I, I can uh, speak to that. It's a process. I'm not asking anybody. I don't think it's realistic for you to go from hating someone to loving them in like that, because it's really not real. But the thing that I can share with you is forgiveness. What the way I was taught forgiveness was, I'm going to forgive you because I'm better than you and I'll be the better person and I'll be, you know, I'll grant you that forgiveness and I will, you know, oh, find a reason why you did that. And that kind of forgiveness, uh, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. Don't bother because you'll just be mad again. And drinking goes together with being mad really well. I don't know about you. I was a really happy drunk until I wasn't. And once I hit that next drink, it was cry, anger, blame, shame. So forgiveness for me has nothing to do with you. Forgiveness has everything to do with me. So you've heard that. I hate you. Um, I, uh, I'm not going to forgive you. So I'm going to drink poison, right? Uh, and then to hurt you, but you're not hurting them. My version of that is, I don't want to look at you. I hate you so much. So I'm going to gouge out my eye. So I don't have to look at you. Similar thing, right? You're hurting yourself. So If I really love myself, if I really take hold of the program that promises us a new sense of belonging, a new happiness and a freedom, a new sense of peace of mind and of heart, that's the promises in this program. If I really grab a hold of that and believe it to my innermost being, why would I? continue to hurt myself by remembering how much I hate you. Why would I do that? Doesn't make sense. So forgiveness to me is granting myself the gift of not hating. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm 88% fabulous, but I'm 12% human. And I'll get pissed. If you piss me off, look out. You know, and the worst kind of piss offedness is when I've done nothing to you. How dare you come back at me? Right? Righteous indignation, my, my backup sponsor, bonus dad, will say. Righteous indignation is the worst possible kind of anger we can feel. Again, if I want to be the better person, that doesn't do me any good. But if I want to love myself enough to not be in that pain, that seething, 
ugly, infested, dark place that will lead to drink, then I'm going to do everything possible to get out of there. And it is not to go to love. I don't love well people who piss me off, right? I say, God, please love through me because I ain't going to do it. <laughs> but what I can do is focus on something else, focus on someone else, focus on good. I take a bite of my gratitude sandwich every morning on the show, eight specific things that I'm grateful for. Why do I do that? So I'm less apt to talk about the things that I don't like. Gratitude is the best thing. The other thing is, if you hate yourself, if you are your own worst critic, if you are the person that says, I'm no hard, I'm hardest on myself than anyone else. No one else is as hard on me as I am. If you're that kind of person, very likely you're a perfectionist and perfectionism is a dis-ease to life. And a lot of alcoholics are perfectionists. And the reason why we're perfectionists is a lot of alcoholics have had a shitty upbringing. And the shitty upbringing happens when you think that you have to be perfect to get someone to love you. So we carry that coping device through our whole life and we're never happy because we're not perfect. And I have to be honest with you, 14 and a half years sober, it wasn't until year 10 where I stopped saying, when that part in the book would be read, we are not perfect. I'd be like, okay for you, but I'm still gonna try year 10 because this strong association between being loved and perfect was such a difficult thing to unravel and it takes work you know um i'm all about outside help you know there's a lot of good um outside help who are also in aa but i mean you know, one of the things about AA and that, you know, we are not a glum lot. I see a lot of really glum AA people. I'm sorry. But, um, and that's the, that's the, I think the little bit of the dis-ease with being comfortable with being miserable. And I, and I'm hoping that I am, you know, one of those who will, who, who is a representative on the other side who's saying, you know, you do not have to be miserable uh, in this program. Uh, I'll, I'll leave you. I probably will get in trouble, but I'm not at home. So my sponsor doesn't have to know. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, if you could just close your eyes. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things that I am. And the wisdom to know the difference to who day may I do thy loving will.
always Thanks for letting me share. Mm -hmm.